Welcome to the First Take Podcast. I'm your host, the Coach Buck, and I'm back for another episode. Today's episode is brought to you by goodifitgoes.com. And coming up on today's show, Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets Thursday night football. Gonna get into that, break it down. I also wanna touch on Dabo Sweeney's comments about the whole Colin Kaepernick protest. And I'm just gonna touch on that whole thing real quickly. But first I wanna start with the football, the actual game. Jets, Bills. Um, the Jets and Bills both lost their week one contest. Both relatively close games. The Bills lost to the Ravens 13-7. Jets lost a game they should have won against Cincy 23-22. And knowing that New England already off to the races 1-0, the Dolphins didn't look too bad either. I mean, this is a crucial game for both teams. You don't want to fall to 0-2. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but... Uh, Teams that start 0-2, chances to make the playoffs are very, very low. It it almost hardly ever happens. So, this is a crucial game, not just for them, but every team that lost last week. You don't want to start 0-2. Now, with that being said, who's going to win tonight's game? I'm rolling with the Buffalo Bills. I think... The Bills are the better team. Um, I still think the Bills are going to be a decent offensive team this year, despite what they showed against the Ravens. And I don't think the Jets are going to be as good defensively as they were last year. First of all, let's start with that secondary. It isn't as good. Um, And that starts at the top with the Real Reavers now. Sammy Watkins got Revis last year. We just saw what A.J. Green did to Revis in week one. If I'm the Jets, they got to take a different approach. They cannot just say, okay, Revis, you got Watkins. We're going to worry about everybody else. You got what? No. This, this ain't 2011. He ain't that guy no more. If they try that with Watkins, he going to burn him up. He gonna burn him up if they try that with Watkins. I'm telling you now. So they got tie bowls in the staff. They gotta come up with something else. Maybe here and there a little man coverage. Um, but I mean the game plan can't be 70, 80% of the game, Reavers. You got Watkins. If I'm the Bills and they try that, I'm gonna target Reavers. Now think about what I just said. Them words, you could have never even thought of them words years ago. Target Revis. But based on what Watkins did to him last year, based on what we just saw Green do to him, you damn right. If I see Revis one-on-one with no safety help, they rolling the coverage to the other side of the field, burn him up. That's what's going to happen. Jets better be careful. And that's part of the reason why I'm picking the Bills to win this game because I think the Jets staff probably got that same mindset that Rex Ryan was in when he came out and defended Revis in his press conference the other day, saying, well, A.J. Green's a great player. Sometimes when you one-on-one, you lose. I never saw Revis in his prime lose like that. Never, never, never. So, I mean, 
Rivers is still a decent corner. I mean, he, he's still a quality starting NFL cornerback. But he's not leave me alone 80% of the game or more. No matter who it is, I got him. He's not that guy. And it got proven last week. Now let's talk about the Bills offense as a whole for a second because LaShawn McCoy and Tyrod Taylor have to play a whole lot better if they are going to win this game. Now the one thing the Jets can do is stop the run. They got all those talented defensive linemen um, led by Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, Sheldon Richardson, I think, is back from suspension this week. They could brought in Steve McClendon from the Steelers, who's a really good player. Drafted Leonard Williams, sixth overall in last year's draft. So they've got a lot of big boys up front that can play the run. And they've got a lot of great interior pass rushers. But the, the Bills are going to have to get the read option going to try to create some uh, holes in this in this uh, Jets front. Some misdirection, some just a lot of stuff to kind of, you know, make the Jets play assignment football where they can't just key up on the run in a normal way. That's going to be key to the Bills getting the run game going, getting McCoy going. Tyrod throwing the football is going to have to be a hell of a lot better than he was against the Ravens. Now, the good news is the uh, Jets secondary, I mean, after Reavers, you're talking about Buster Screen and a lot of other, uh, D. Miller and a lot of other unproven cornerbacks for the most part. So even though the Bills receiving core outside of Watkins isn't great, you know, Charles Clay, the tight end, is probably the next best receiving option. Guys like Sammy Woods and um, the rest of those good guys, they might be able to do a little more this week because I don't think much of the Jets secondary as a whole. But the Bills' defense is the reason why I think they're going to win this game. I said coming into the year, Rex and his brother would fix the defense. Last year was the first year Rex got there, and he switched the Bills from a true 4-3 to more of a hybrid 3-4-4-3 type look. Um, and it just took a little time to get used to. Those players weren't used to it. Honestly, I think that they were more tailored towards a 4-3. Now, they've made some personnel changes. They've gotten, and the guys that are still there are more accustomed to what Rex is doing. And you, and even though the Ravens are on an elite offense, they still, I mean, they're good enough to score more than 13 on most teams. And all they got was 13 on the Bills. So, the Bills defense is gonna be improved this year. Um, I think Brandon Marshall, when it comes to the Jets offense, I don't think they're gonna be as good. Forte's old. Um, and I said when they signed him, I didn't really think that that was going to be a slam dunk sign, I think. Forte is probably going to be decent this year. And then he's going to fall off for the remainder of that contract. You look at the receivers. Brandon Marshall, like I said, he's a year older. Um, made some mistakes in week one. Key drop. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Can we really count on Ryan Fitzpatrick to duplicate his best season? You look all throughout history of, of the best quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had that great season where he went 15-1 and one and had like that 120-something passer rating. 
all-time, all-time great. He's never had that type of season again. For Ryan Fitzpatrick, in comparison, the year he had last year, that was his Aaron Rodgers season. He, he's not going to do that again. Very rarely does a player peak, have that peak season, and then they're able to do it again. You look at all the running backs that have had 2,000-yard seasons. Pretty much they're all of them are just one time. You you have no running backs that have a 2,000-yard season for the most part. You see them do it again. And I'm thinking about Fitzpatrick's season last. That was his 2,000-yard season running for, for a running back. He's not doing that again. So when you think about the fact that the quarterback's going to drop off, I don't think Forte is going to be as productive as Chris Ivory was for them last year. I don't think Brandon Marshall is going to be as productive as he was last year. It all equals to the Jets' offense not being as good. The defense won't be as good. Your offense and defense not as good as they were last year. Guess what? You're not as good. I think the Bills' defense is going to be better than it was last year. I think, well, I don't know this. Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy, if they can stay on the field, the Bills' offense should be at least just as good as it was last year. So you've got Bills' offense just as good. Bills' defense better. Bills should be a better team. Jets' worst team. That's why I uh, predicted at the beginning of the year in my preview, Bills second place in the AFC East. So I'm rolling with the Bills to win tonight's game. Now, let's transition over to Colin Kaepernick, Dabo Sweeney, all of that. First of all, I think my position on that whole matter has been misrepresented. Everybody thinks I'm anti-black. I just want to start this whole conversation off by saying I'm not an idiot. I'm I'm not oblivious to the struggles going on out there. Racism still exists. Anybody that thinks it doesn't, they fooling themselves. I myself personally, in my 25 years on this earth, maybe I maybe I missed it. Maybe I wasn't looking at a situation close enough. I personally have never experienced racism. Um. I've dealt with plenty of white people in my day. And I live in a, one of the most, a state with one of the most racist histories. Outside of Alabama, if you had to rank the states in terms of racism or racist acts over the years, Bama would be one, Mississippi two. All right, so that's where I live at. And I'm telling you, I've never experienced racism. Now, that does not mean racism doesn't exist. That don't mean nobody else down here hasn't hasn't experienced it. I'm just telling you about my personal experience. So, and the reason I bring that up is, 50 years ago, there wasn't a black person alive in Mississippi who could say they never experienced it. They could say it maybe wasn't as bad as somebody else's, or but by and large, if you lived in Mississippi back then, you experienced racism if you was black, point blank, period. So I'm, but I'm aware that it still goes on. And I'm sensitive to the fact that there are African-Americans, Hispanics, LBGT, and women in general, pretty much, if you're not a white male in the US, there is a possibility that you have been discriminated against or uh, had some type of prejudice against you in some form or fashion. It's possible, probably. And I'm sensitive to that fact. 
and Dabo came out. I only had one real issue with Dabo's comments, and I'll tell you what the issue was later. But I liked a lot of what he said because I agree with a lot of it. He talked about how he didn't agree with the way Kaepernick protested. But of all the people saying that, he's one of the few I've heard actually acknowledge that there's a problem because he said two wrongs don't make a right. So he's admitting that there's some wrong being done. And I haven't heard a lot of white people that have had comments on this actually admit that there's some wrong. I've all, all I've heard him say is, yeah, he's got the right to do it. But he actually admitted that there has been some wrongdoing. I love that. Because there is wrong. And, I mean, there is a blatant discrepancy of blacks who, when they get involved with the law, regardless of why, turning up dead. This isn't the time for me to get on my whole issue with a lot of blacks as far as doing your part to keep yourself out of the situation. I'm not even going to go there today. But clearly, black people are being mistreated. They're dying. Or when they do get to court, they're not seeing the same results for the same offenses that white people are. Who the hell don't know that? Who the hell can't see that? But here's my issue. Colin Kaepernick sitting down for the national anthem it has sparked some discussion it is even the sparked some racial discussion but it's got a lot of people divided right now because they, they was talking about this in my, in my job last night and all the white people I heard talking about it saying they all saying the same thing I agree with his right to do it but he's there I think he's disrespecting the flag or I think he I think he's being disrespectful to the troops and I didn't say nothing. I just thought to my head. But he's clearly came out and said, this ain't got nothing to do with the troops. Which brings me back to the point where I was debating this with some of my uh, Good If It Goes co-writers. You gotta, when you, when you protest, you gotta think about the effect it's gonna have on everybody. The whole, peop, the whole point of the protest is to get white people to change their way of thinking. White people love the flag, they love the troops. So if you protest in a manner that they feel is disrespectful to those two things, it don't matter whether that was your intent to do it or not. It don't even matter if you come out and say you aren't trying to do that. That's how they're going to take it. And now, some black people will come out and say, well, that's the problem. I agree that's the problem. But that's also the reality. You see, just because you want it to be a certain way, that don't make it that way. Colin Kaepernick and others not standing for the national anthem is offending white people. How is offending white people going to really bring them to the table and make them, I guess, feel open to the really truly discussing this and find a solution? They too busy, in my opinion, being offended about this flag and about the troops, which none of this got nothing to do with to really be open to trying to fix things. And that's my whole issue with the protest. Now, unfortunately, I'm doing this podcast on my way to work and I just pulled up. So I'm going to have to table this discussion for a little while. But feel free to at me. Feel free to at me on Twitter or message me on Facebook. 
and continue this discussion because I like open dialogue. I like to talk and I'm open to sharing my thoughts and views and debating that with different people of various or any color, gender, whatever. I love to hear what you guys think on it. Whether you think I'm right, whether you think I'm wrong. Because at the end of the day, I think for things to change, it's going to take a group effort. Everybody's got to put their differences aside, their culture aside. We got to realize that we just won. And that's where Dabo's, what I did like about Dabo's comments when he said, we don't have a race problem in this country. He said, we got a sin problem. And a lot of people look at that and say, we do have a race problem. And we do have a race problem. But the race problem stands stems from the sin problem because regardless of even if you don't believe in God or maybe you believe in some kind of higher power but not exactly Christianity the Bible says love everybody but even forget that for a second general decency and just being a good human being I would think you would love everybody if you are a genuine decent person if nobody's done you wrong whether they red, white, blue, black, green. If they've done you no wrong and they're being and you and they not doing wrong to anybody else, you have no reason not to like somebody just because of how they look, what size they are, what color they are, what ethnicity they are, what their profession is. If if they are generally good people, what's the problem? That's that's just how I am. That's how I was raised. And so that's how I look at everybody. I love everybody. And so that's just how I'm looking at it. Clearly, yes, there's a race problem. But if everybody just could get past it, there wouldn't be a race problem. But I'm not living in a fantasy world. I know the world don't work that way. So I'm not even, I'm not even harping on that. We've got to figure out a way to fix some of the issues we have in this society. And if you create division, that makes it harder to fix the problems. That's my opinion. It's been real. I got to go. Thank you for listening to the Coast Buck Podcast, which has been brought to you by goodifitgoes.com. I'll see you next time. I'm out.